Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. So, hello and welcome to the Now Show with Dr. Dave podcast. Dr. Dave Pinonis, your host. Uh, we're continuing the conversation of belonging and healing with my guest, Tracy Tracy from DNS Healing Center. Hey, Tracy Tracy, how have you been? Woohoo, awesome. Been doing well. How about you, sir? You know, same here, same here. You know, just one day at a time. You know, we, we use the, the metaphor in the island of one, 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 one. It's like walking, you know, so one, one. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, hey, we're, we're talking, we're, we're getting into the conversation around healing. So one, one, one step, one foot in front of the other, because sometimes that what it takes, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go backwards, but sometimes you do. But the idea yeah. is to one foot in front of the other to keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I didn't get the island reference with that. And, you know, but, yeah. you know, you Islanders got your way of doing things. Yeah, well, that's how we, that, that's what I learned. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. One, one. Here we go. One, one, one. So, so here's a quote, a couple quotes that I grabbed from Vienna for Rowan. Mm-hmm. Um, and her name is healing happens when you move through the pains, the patterns and stories and walk your way into a healthy ending. And I, you know, that's one quote. And then, you know, Maya Angelou, of course, she says, mm-hmm. forgive yourself for not knowing what you didn't know before you learned it. So our conversation today is the root before the fruit. So the root before the fruit concept describes the need for solid roots to su- sustain, you know, to support a sustainable opportunity to bear fruit in our healing space. Right. And so we're going to, I'm using, I am using the metaphor of a sower who on good soil to plant seeds. And, you know, good soil is rich with nutrients, which uh, create a space for plants and to, to have an abundant food supply to support healthy development. And, and I'm just using us, our bodies, our minds, our spirit, you know, as that soil and right. the work that we go through. Right. You know, the healing aspect is the seed. So good seeds are also essential for the process of growing healthy fruit. So you are a sower, aren't you? Um, I would say yes. Hmm. I have not heard that term, but I'm going to say yes. So tell me more. Let's, let's talk about you as a sower. I, you <laughs> I know, know you're doing some good stuff. Well, I, I mean, I do call myself a healer. Okay, right? there you go. Um, and my healing can only happen when I'm co-creating that space for a person. I'm, I'm creating a space for a person to help them heal, which is the co-creation, right? That's mm-hmm. with us working together and me supporting that work. And there are many different ways to do the work. I find the richest way to do the work is through the body. Right. And then that combines the body. I don't think of separate as the mind. I think of that all together. You know, there's this one theory. I, I, oh my gosh, Dave, I can't remember who said it. It, I want to say it goes back to Freud, but it, Mm. of, of how the neck is the separator 
No, it goes back to Jung, not Freud. How the neck is a separator from the mind and the body. And that what we do is we cut off. We, we become very heady. We become a, a, a world, a society, a community that really values the intellect. And mm-hmm. then what the body holds is the feelings. And it holds the experiences. And we don't want that to interfere with how things are processed up here, but there's no way we can't have that thing work. And I think the neck is the thing that connects the mind and body, you know, connect. I call it a connect, right? Yeah. I spell it C-N-N-E-C-K, the connector, right? The mind and the body, because it does connect the two. So, I mean, I, I... when I say the body, I say mind and body. And I think we're all spirit or we come from spirit. So to me, yep. that's all combined. The mind, body, and the spirit is it's, they're not separate. And for us to approach healing as in separating those spaces, um, it makes it more difficult to forgive. It makes it more difficult to, as the first quote, he, healing happens when you move through the pain, the patterns and the stories. I know when a person has worked through their stuff is when their bodies no longer have a response to that thing because now the body's here. Yeah, well, you can see it in their faces on the body language, right? Or even just the thought of an individual or a certain situation, you see a shift yeah. in that human being, right? That person kind of like, whoa, you know, hey, Come on now. Well, well, I mean, I I believe we can, there's this thing called the pain body. So what we can see is how a person carries their trauma. And I've gotten really good at people, just looking at people, not necessarily knowing what their trauma is, but knowing that there has been trauma by the way they walk and present and move. And that, that, that's the body tells us, you know, we'll talk about some things later, but there's this book called the body keeps the score. So Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. body keeps all of the, the memories, right. That shit is stored on a cellular level. So we've got to release it cellularly. Certainly, certainly. So, you know, when I think of healing, I think there's three different aspects, even though it's, it's one, one, you know, there's one person, Mm -hmm. right. I think mm-hmm. that there's, you know, there's a psychological aspect of healing, right? Mm-hmm. There's a physical, which is somatic, right? But but also there's a spiritual aspect of it. So I, I think all three are, are needed for us to yeah. really come full circle with, with dealing with whatever trauma or pain that, that's been introduced into our lives, either mm-hmm. by ourselves or by someone else, right. Right? right? So if we... It had to start with the psychological aspect of it. You know, what are your thoughts of, of, of how that works and how that is, has been working in terms of a, a, a healing tool as a seed for healing? Yeah. So what psychology has done with healing and pain is we've clinic, made it clinical. Right. And so we have a diagnosis for things. And you're crazy. <laughs> Well, that is not a clinical diagnosis. However, <laughs> that's what people call folks who have a clinical <laughs> diagnosis, right? 
So say yeah. you have a clinical diagnosis of, I'm going to say bipolar disorder. And this is a very, con- I'm, I'm saying something very controversial, I'm, but I'm just going to do it. Okay. Yeah. Bipolar disorder can be a chemical imbalance, right? And that's how it's diagnosed. So you get drugs, medications, things to help with the bipolar disorder, because those are ups and downs in moods, which is great, right? Because some people may go that route with the medications and some people may not go that route. That is a personal choice. I think what we have forgotten and what is now beginning to happen, so I'm talking old psychology, old social work. We never yeah. thought about trauma in those diagnoses. Right. And now we're becoming a more trauma-informed society, which is great. So now we can bring that stuff into some of these diagnoses. So when I think about psychology, the, maybe there was a little bit of a, of a um, clinical lean to it. And now there's becoming more of a trauma-informed care. Social work is doing a great job with that. And psychology is doing a great job as well. So I think across the board, we can talk about how trauma has affected our mental health, which is the psychology, Mm -hmm. right, of how we do things and how we view the world. So I think when we talk about, girl, you need to go see a therapist or bruh. Yeah. You got some stuff that you need to That's the psychology, right? And that is being able to speak with someone to help you through the pain and the traumas of what you've gone through in your life in a way that they can help you to um, understand that you are not your trauma. That trauma is an experience that you experience, which may have caused you to move in through the world a certain kind of way. And hopefully the therapy psychology part of it can help you see that and help heal those wounds and change the behavior that you developed from those wounds. Yes. Does that make sense? That makes all the sense in the world, you know, yeah. of, of how that practice, you know, can be used yeah. um, to help us really understand, you know, ourselves and the things that has happened to us. Right. right? And, and how can we heal from that? Right. You know, sometimes, even some of those healing remedies, and I call them just calling them remedies, that they're going to be experienced differently, right? Um, just based on the concept of if we're metabolizing that healing into our mind, body, and spirit. So what happens when it doesn't work? Or it's not working well, or it even has, I'm asking more questions, or even has an adverse effect on the individual. So that's a whole lot. What you just asked. <laughs> I know. I well, I'm talking to you, so I'm expecting I, I'm expecting you to like <laughs> throw stuff at me, right? <laughs> oh, okay, let's break that down. <laughs> let's unpack that. How's let's that? unpack that. So the idea is to not harm a person or re-harm a person or re-traumatize a person as they go through healing. The goal is for them. So when I think about trauma and what I'd like to say to people and and think of your life trauma or experiences as an observer 
to try and detach from that serious physiological pain that it may give you and begin to look at it as a story. Not that you didn't go through it, but as you were going through it, how were you feeling? What was your body doing? How was your body responding? And then you can break down the levels of trauma or the stages of trauma. You know, there's the, there's, um, I, I learned a kind of, um, it's called ITR. I learned a, um, gosh, I can't even think of the word. It's, it's a process. It's a technique. It's a strategy. Mm-hmm. It's a healing modality, right? Um, and it is really breaking the trauma down into parts or, or sections, Mm -hmm. telling a story within that section, rewriting that entire, knowing that that story happened and giving that story a finality, right? So there's a beginning, a middle and an end, right? Yep. So we've got these aspects of this story. We've got, I think I just went way off course, but here we go. Cause you, you asked that it's question. It's not my fault. I, you know, you asked that question and here we go. So <laughs> when we break down trauma, let's break it down uh-huh. into stages. So we've got a startle stage, like, right. oh shit, something's about to happen. You know how you walk through life and you think, ah, things are going way too good. That shoe is about to drop. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, we, we always know? get that mindset. Like something's going to about to happen. Yep. Things have been going too smooth. I know something's about to come down, right? Right. If our bodies are always in that anxious state, that's like a startle. It's like when a baby gets startled and they're like, ah, you got to brace yourself for for that shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. After you're startled and then you go into this fight or flight because you're like, I got to get out of Dodge or I got to bulldoze this thing, right? Sometimes we can't fight or flight So what happens to a person is they freeze. Yep. Right. So your body just goes and you freeze and you can shut down. Right. So when we're freeze, maybe we could call that depression or something in in a freeze state. Okay. When, When I'm frozen, I got this thing where if I'm frozen, I really don't want to be here. I'm just going to check out of my reality. Right. So I'm going to dissociate. Yes. And when people dissociate with trauma, some of us get stuck in the dissociation. Right. And we get really good at not feeling the feels. We get really good at not letting folks affect us. So we put up these walls so that we don't feel the stuff. And that's dissociating. And sometimes we can do that so well, we might get a diagnosis from that. We don't know what that is, but a diagnosis could come from that. Certainly. So if I'm going through a traumatic event, I got the startle, this fight or flight, I got this freeze. I'm going to check out because I don't want to deal with the pain that I'm going through. But then something about the brain says, you know what, you can't stay out here forever. So you're just going to obey and do what you need to do in order to live. Because sometimes we feel like we're going to die. Well, certainly. Yeah. Right. I, as you were talking about that disassociation, I was thinking of Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know why he came into mind. but <laughs> I don't either. But tell me more about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about, you know, to be able to have someone for lunch or dinner, you know, how much of a disassociation has to take place yeah, to yeah. get to that yeah. place. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a state. I remember if I was living in Wisconsin or, or Illinois at the time when that was taking place, but it kind of freaked me out mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean, to to hack up a body, to have body parts yeah. in your refrigerator. I mean, that that takes a level of dissociation, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. that that's that it's that kid that is in the classroom that they're daydreaming out the window or they're doing something you're like, yo, hey, are you here? And yeah. you're like, hey, what? Yeah, I'm here. But they, they weren't right. Yeah. You don't know what's been going on at home so that they can do that. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that, that child feels, OK, I got to get out of this space after they dissociate. Then they have to automatically obey, because if the teacher goes, you know, Dave, yeah. stop daydreaming, come back yeah. here. And then you're going to be like, OK, sorry. And you're going to do what that yeah. teacher says. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's automatic obedience. And that's what we do when we want to stay safe. We get into automatic obedience. After we, we take all that energy to do what we're supposed to do so we don't die, so we can survive, we got to do this thing called self-repair. Yeah. And sometimes we choose things that aren't the best for us to self-repair, right? And then we see that with addictions, right? Yes. We see a lot of, you know what? I don't want to deal with that stuff. So I'm going to go over here and do this so I don't have to think about this. Right. Because we've gone through all those stages and we are worn out and we can't do anymore. So we're just going to, at that point, self-repair. During all these things, our bodies are going through stuff with that. Right. Well, certainly. Yeah. So we've got to we got to figure that, you know, OK, so what do you, you said a whole lot in that. And that led me to all of this trauma talk because. Holy shit, my brain just went, okay, where are we going? Um, I was just being open-ended because I, I, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, from a clinical context, but I was also thinking about from the trauma that people experience in, in, in corporate America. And I, I can remember working for a very large organization in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I could talk about them. They no longer exist. Arthur Anderson, right? Or Anderson Consulting. They no longer exist anymore. What happened to but, Arthur Anderson? Why don't they no longer exist? Um, our, our government shut them down because they did some illegal stuff and they, you know, revoked their auditing license. So they couldn't, their core business was auditing. So they couldn't oh. make any more money doing auditing, oh. right? Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Our, our, our Congress did that. <laughs> Right. Okay. Hmm. So, um, all right. Yep. Yep. So th- that's, that's what happened to that organization. Um, okay. but I remember one night we were working in these, these crazy projects. Right. And this lady was just on her desk screaming. Mm. I had no idea. And we're all there working late. We're trying to figure out how, how to help her. And she was just screaming. And, and because there was a medic in, in, in the military, then, you know, auto- automatically want me to go in there and go deal with what's going on. So I'm trying to talk to her mm-hmm. and she thinks that's, she, she just lost it. <sighs> and, so she and, you know, lost, uh, she lost her connection with reality. So she dissociated. With reality. Right. Yeah. She totally disassociated. Right. Right. And then I saw her like either weeks or months later and she was like in a different space. Mm. Like I met just- this bubbly chuck. 
you know, I'm going to run through this wall individual mm-hmm. to this person who was just like on her desk, screaming, freaking out like the world that there was something bad happening there. And then all of a sudden I saw her and it's probably the meds that, that were affecting the way she responded. Cause she was more like a drone. You so know, she uh, was, yeah. she was in a heightened state when you, he was ready to knock down walls when you met her and then she got to a breaking point. Yeah. And then the next time you saw her, she was very subdued, very subdued. Okay. You yeah. know, and I'm going like, wow. You know, just going through that experience. So, you know, as we were talking about, disassociation and the trauma and we never knew really what was the trauma but working in in those high stress type um corporations yeah they'll break you yeah they will break you because of the demand that that they'll have on you so it was just that's where my brain went yeah no 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 no. i i get (laughs) that because (laughs) we're gonna come back to that right but that that goes back to um if she had had trauma if she had trauma entering this position and if she was in a place, cause this is where someone could say maybe she had bipolar disorder or maybe she had severe depression or maybe she had mania or maybe she, you know, all of these clinical diagnoses, someone would, okay. She was at a, a really high point and then she was at a breaking point and now she's at a low point. Right. If there had been trauma, there could have been a way that she masked how the trauma affected her by having this persona of I can knock down walls. And then she gets into this job where this causes undue stress on her, which activates a lot of what the trauma response is. And then she has a breaking point and she, she, her brain cannot, her body cannot, her soul cannot do that anymore. Yeah. And then she collapses. Right. So if we look at that trauma response, she collapses and then she's got to figure out how to get out of that. And she was probably hospitalized or something like that. And she was meds. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, then she no longer worked there. She resigned. And then I wonder if the trauma was ever addressed. See, that's where sometimes the the. Sometimes there, there's a, um, in the past, today, yeah. probably not so much, but in the past, trauma would not have been addressed. And we, we even talk about trauma amongst the races, right? Yeah. Because um, we th- historically, we think of trauma as, as being shell-shocked, as, as the war response to, or the effect, the psychological response to war, because we've been through so much, we've seen so much as a war vet, then we've got this trauma response and that's acceptable because then we expect it. But think well, about- it, we, Yeah, we, we could drag that into what we see happening in the inner cities, right? I was just getting ready to say I'm that. I'm sure that's where you're, yeah. Okay, you go girl. Yeah, because if we see how war affects the soldier, no one was looking at the parallel of living within a certain cultural community or a certain violent community where you see gunshots, knife stabbings, violence, domestic violence every day as your norm, every day, every yeah. day as your norm. And the, these particular people in this community have been diagnosed with so much shit 
instead of looking at, oh, they're kind of like a soldier going through all of this daily trauma. How do we help them with that and process that trauma? We're getting well, so even much l- better at it right now. Yeah. Well, e- you know, or even labeling, right? Be- yeah. Because it's like, there's something wrong with these people, why they can't deal with you know, well, I'm like, hey, just imagine if you had to live through that, you know, what would you be? You know, you'd probably be like that woman that I was working, that I worked yeah, exactly. with. Ended exactly. Ended up at that desk screaming as if exactly. crazy was happening in her space at that time. You yeah. Know? And I'm, I'm going to ask you to stop saying crazy because. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say something crazy happening? You've said it I five think, times probably in our conversation today. But I, didn't, but... <laughs> but I didn't call her crazy, right? I didn't label her as crazy. I just talk about. The experience is crazy. I hope I did that, right? Yeah, well, just just, let's let's not use crazy. What what term would you like to use? Paranormal? What paranormal term you would like to use? Oh wow, you just went there, didn't you? You just (laughs) I I did have to go there. Paranormal. (laughs) Wow, I'm surprised you didn't say what esoteric term would you like to use. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you know, you know, people are just having some issues. It's yeah, really that a hard it's, time. they're having a hard time, right? Because when yeah. we label it as crazy, then there's a certain expectation that you can't even talk to him. She crazy or he crazy. Yeah. Yep. People just yeah. going through shit. And yeah. I don't know if we have, and that, that forgiveness piece, the grace to yeah. be understanding with people because we go through stuff and we don't yeah. know how our stuff affects another person's stuff. And we don't always know how their stuff affects us yeah, because we may not, right? We may not know what activates us. And I like to call it yeah. an activation. An right? activation versus right? a trigger. And, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, because th- those can, you know, the, the trigger warnings, as people call them, that can be triggering for people, right? Because yeah, yeah like, truly. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I mean that—that's my paranormal term for trigger activation. No, it's just, activation. So we'll we'll use the word activation as yeah. It's just trigger. a gentler term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's just interesting, you know, the type of training that you go through and the language that people use. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about you know experiencing healing in a community setting, which is just to me, it's extraordinarily powerful, right? And provides yeah. this opportunity um, to receive. As, as well as to give in the journey, really. So, so as we're starting to develop this root before the fruit, right? You know, what has that been like for you as you're, you're working through bringing healing in a community setting, right? Or I could use a different word, group setting, yeah. which, which would probably what, what I'm really referring to. Yeah. Well, group and community yeah. are both good because we do need yeah. to educate the community that these things are going on so that they can be a little more aware of how they interact with people. I mean, and I think the community that really needs work is the policing community. Yeah. Having the policing community understand how this stuff affects people would be very helpful and how we can heal within the group community or group setting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, it goes back to belonging. Dave, there's a lot of power yeah. in being in a group where you feel like you belong. 
and that that group is supportive and holding space and you can show up as you are without the mask and the performance and the things that we do in order to protect ourselves from even feeling our own emotions. So I think the yeah. groups can be very healing and some can, if, if the groups aren't led by a healed healer, they can be a little more destructive because yep. we've got these wounded healers helping heal people and wounded healers. I'm not, and I'm good God. That's not a general, like there's, there are no wounded healers. I mean, there are bad wounded healers. We're all wounded in some kind of way. Some way. Yeah. It's a healer who's done the work so that they can support others in the work. And yeah. sometimes, so like, oh, go ahead. Yeah. We were just talking about, um, you know, Rasma in my grandmother's hands. And, and he talks about the work that he has done mm -hmm. with different police officers, right? Mm -hmm. in, in trying to bring about healing, yeah. um, you know, throughout. So, yeah. I mean, healing it, that it's, community it's, is important. Yeah. And I don't, because there are um, people who have mental health issues that are not treated that yeah. have been untreated and their behavior may be um, maybe displayed as a little aberrant for, mm -hmm. for community. That's when the police are called in to handle these situations when they may not be the right people to have come in or they haven't been trained to understand, you know, if this person is having a psychological issue or if there's really a threat for you know, all of that. Yeah. It could be a communication thing. So I think the really, really helping to educate police who want to be educated, who will be on call for those calls is what's important. I don't know if you can just make a whole police department learn all this because they may not want to and they may not be equipped. The people may not be equipped to do the thing. Yeah, I, well, right? I, I, I would see this as a partnership that would take yeah. place. Right. Yeah. Kind of like what's happening in a lot of communities today where you have an advocate who's partnering, you know, yes. with a police officer or a couple of police officers to to help to deal with this. Because, look, it's a hard skill to learn. It takes years yeah. of practice to be able to work with someone who is activated by whatever it is that's going on in their lives at that in that moment. Yeah. But I like to look at it. Go ahead. No, that's interesting that you said it takes years to learn. Um, mm -hmm. Having had very, very many, many um, psychology students and training yeah. students to become clinicians and in internships, it can be learned. However, yeah. what I've seen is the most effective is for people who just naturally have it. Yeah. And there are the people who are way. just, just, they naturally have that ability to hold space for people, to support yeah. people, to be there for people. And I, I haven't run into very many people that I've trained who have had to learn the skill because they've got it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's a very, you know, very insightful perspective yeah. Right? Yeah. to look at that, you know. Yeah. But what about, you know, not only just in the context of police officers, you know, getting better at that, but in group sessions where people are giving and receiving, where people are helping to heal each other mm -hmm. in that space, mm -hmm. you know, you know, I, I know that in some of the work that I'm doing with, with some of my corporate clients, we begin to see that yes. where there's a, 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 you know, 
they're not only receiving from you know in the process, but they're also giving in the journey as well. Yeah, you know, which is beautiful, right? There's it's huge. There's an accountability in yeah. that space, right? I um worked with um domestic violence perpetrators, uh, and mm. the and they're all men, right? And to be able to work with then that population to me was such a gift because how these men held each other accountable within the group setting was a beautiful thing to see, right? Yeah. It was a beautiful thing to see them heal from their own traumas in order to help support others to heal through their traumas. I mean, we didn't have a hundred percent success rate, but the rate that we did have of those who did do the work was really beautiful to see. And then in turn, they could see how their traumas were activated in their relationships. And there was a um, parallel program at one point where the women who were the survivors, the partners of the, the partners, yeah. did work. The men did the work at the same time. And some of those couples, of course, reconciled and were able to be successful. And some were like, this is not a good space for me. And it didn't yeah. happen, right? So it was really beautiful to see that and to know that in that kind of group setting, there can be healing, there, there could be healing, and there was healing. And they did support one another. It was just a really beautiful thing to see a bunch of dudes sitting around, crying and loving up on each other and supporting each other right yeah letting it out because you know as men we don't like to let it out we hold it up you know but you know the fact that they can let that out yeah and have that beautiful experience that's beautiful because sometimes the only emotion that you learn is anger and you gotta figure out how to deal with that and how to process well if it's not even it may not you just be angry it may also be suppression Right. I mean, that's the, the thing. It's like big boys don't cry. Big boys right. don't feel. Right. right. I mean, what are you doing? Right. right? And, and so some of right. those, those are the things that you may learn growing up in your, in your home or in your community. Right. You know? Yeah. Cause if not learned in your home, somebody's going to tell you boys are tough. Yeah. Boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. <laughs> there's, there's no crying in sports. Oh, oh, there's no whining either, yo. Know? There's no whining in sports, right? Knock it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah very interesting. <laughs> so I'm thinking like the root before the fruit, right? It's core to experience. I'm sorry. Sustainable. I, have to, I have to say this. Every time yeah. you say root before the fruit, do yeah. you remember um, John Witherspoon? And oh my god, saying the rooter before the tutor or the rooter to the tutor that you eat the whole yeah, thing, yeah. the rooter to the tutor. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I think about when I hear when you hear me say the root before the fruit. The rooter to the tutor. <laughs> well, we're not doing the rooter to the tutor, we're doing the rooter to the fruiter. <laughs> oh yeah. my god, that's so dumb. Okay. Yeah. But, but well, what I'm saying is that, look, it's core to experiencing this sustainable mind, body, and spirit healing effect, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at. You know, when there's no root, the healing will not stick and the individual become discouraged because of, you know, some of the failures that they may experience. So what is that like? 
when people are, are not are not doesn't have the ability to absorb right and experience the healing so that it could be sustainable that they could go off and do the work on their own right because in, in the end of the day even though you and I may have the best intentions and the best skills yeah it takes that individual or that group to go forward and do that work and make those changes so that's the only way healing happens so let's yeah. talk about that a bit more yeah so that goes back to the body if yeah. one is grounded in their body they can build and dig into their own roots because the body becomes that space of safety when when i'm not rooted in my body when i'm in a space where my body has betrayed me or has been traumatized or I have been holding on and suppressing, you know, if it's not a safe place for me to be in my body, I'm not going to be able to do the work because my body is the root of all of the work. That's what grounds me so that I can do the work. And that's the somatic part of healing. Yeah. We have to do the somatic part of healing in order for healing to happen because it's like a tree, right? When I, when I work with my clients to do the healing work, I actually go through a meditation before we do it. And I have them plant their feet down on the floor and maybe hands on their knees. But I send them through a, a light meditation and we go through the whole body. And then once we get to the feet, I have them visualize roots growing out of the bottom of their feet, moving through the floor, the basement, all the layers of the earth, mm -hmm. planted right into the core of the earth. And I sometimes say, I want you to hear it kind of like clink, like you've really touched the earth and you are yeah. grounded and you are planted here safely in your body. And then I have them pull their roots back up, but still stay tethered to the earth. And then have them build a really big, beautiful bubble around their body so they feel protected. And then also have them connect themselves to spirit so mm. that they're connected above and below so that they are here grounded, yet they're still connected to the strength of spirit so that they can do the work. Yeah. That takes a lot of practice, Dave. Yeah, it it's takes a lot of work. Especially when you're escaping your body your whole life. Yeah. And, and even for men, men, men are like, what the fuck are you talking about being in my body? What is that? Yeah. And the first yeah. place they go, I, I don't mean to be, you know, whatever, but the first place they usually go is right into the groin area. That's where I'm grounded in my body, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> but if that's what I got, I'm going to work with it. Right. I'm like, OK, yeah. let, let's let's ground yourself in your whatever your testosterone, whatever it is. your space, whatever that space is. Let's get grounded. Right. Right. And, and to be completely honest, that's not a bad place to go because the root. So if we talk about um, an ancient old here we go with the, you know, woo 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 pan, paranormal, as you call it. I don't think yeah. it's that at all. But I work yeah. with the chakra system. Right. So I work with the yeah. energetic system of the body. And the first chakra is the root chakra, which is at the base of the spine, which is where the prostate is connect is is living. Yeah. That's where the prostate <laughs> Pretty lives. Pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Where the so 
that to me is the root. And if we go into the root of the person and get grounded in that root chakra, then we can do the work. And then we work up. We work up through the chakras, through the body. Well, that's that's the rooter to the fruiter because that fruiter is produces Jesus. a seed which brings life, right? Well, I mean, it's the rooter to the tutor because the tutor's in the head, right? It's yeah. the no, it's the snout to the butt. So it it really is that kind of idea. <laughs> you know, I, I was just thinking about this this one guy that you know, just coaching and, and, and just dealing with the fact that he was just difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's just having conversation with him about being aware and mindfulness and what does it take to get there and, you know, what's causing, you know, him to have some of the challenges that he's having with people. You know, one day he just came in, you know, he goes, he goes you know, Dr. Dave, I am just, I'm just not being very mindful uh, at times. And this is something that I'm going to work on. I said, you know, that's a beautiful thing. I'm glad that you arrived at this space, Mm -hmm. you know, but I can't wait to see what's going to be next for you. Mm -hmm. And then he spent them walking through and I'm beginning to learn more about just being aware Mm -hmm. about what he's saying, you know, how Mm -hmm. he responds to other people. And Mm -hmm. it's not, he didn't mean anything bad but the way he came off to and especially to some of the women that he was working with you know oh my god you know they hated him but over time from him doing that work Mm -hmm. you know and coming to that realization right that he needed to be grounded in something and he he chose that okay and and so that was great to see you know yeah how you started that off when you said this 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 person I was working with and he was really difficult. Yes. I even changed that verbiage Mm -hmm. because he was not purposefully trying to be difficult. Yeah. He had behaviors that made it difficult for him to communicate with people. Or or connect with people. Or connect with people. Right. Yeah. And, And I would, I would really, really want, I want people to reframe how they view because what we do is if this dude is difficult and he becomes difficult i'm not saying you did this but i'm just saying in general right i'm on label this cat difficult which means it's a character flaw so i'm going to judge it and everything he judges or that he does that supports my idea of him being difficult becomes even stronger if i look at this dude that whoa he has some really really difficult ways that he responds, which prevents him from connecting with people, gives me a whole nother view of him. And maybe I can allow him some grace and I can be mindful in how I communicate with him. Yeah. Right. So so that's the language of people describing him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even though they they see it as a behavioral issue, Mm -hmm. the language and the label is that this is a very difficult person to deal with. Yeah. yeah so. And to help him reframe that, because I'm sure he's heard that. that he's I'm sure he, he did. Yep. Yeah. And to say there must be some things that cause you to be activated, not not you. This is what I would say as a clinician yeah. or a therapist, that there's some things that you probably have experienced that make that causes you to respond in the way 
that would seem difficult to other people. Your response would seem difficult to other people. And then I would have him go, can you look at that from an observer lens and see when that happens? And then he would be like, oh, yeah, it happens this, 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 and this. And I'd be like, what is your body feeling when you respond? That's the work right there. Because he'll be like, as soon as somebody says something, my shoulders go up because I feel this tension in my body. And then we start working there. Right. So some some of that stuff was driven, you know, from a cultural context for him and the way he grew up. But the, the way we did the work that we our sessions were always walking sessions. Mm, and I intentionally good. took yes. him outside yes. and had a walking session yes. to bring about a different energy for yes. him as yes. opposed to us being in a room. Yeah. And, and because at first we were in a room and then I'm like, you know, let's go for a walk. Mm-hmm. And that changes the whole change the whole dynamic of the conversation, how we listen to each other, how we responded to each other. So that was really powerful. Yeah, you know, bravo! It didn't you. save his job, just to let you know. But oh. the, the fact <laughs> is, is that he grew. Yes. You know, for the, the, the months that I saw him after his awareness, he grew tremendously and had a different um, relationship with others in the the workspace so yeah and maybe the goal wasn't for him I mean the goal is to keep the job but maybe his own personal journey goal was to not stay there and to be able to show his work somewhere else and I applaud you for taking him walking I you know in 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 Wisconsin we have this beautiful Lake Michigan yep and Milwaukee has a beautiful lakefront and I walked with my clients many, many, many days. I even had a client in, it was 15 degrees below zero. (laughs) Don't miss those days, Tracy. Bruh. And this particular client, they wanted to walk no matter what the weather was. Yeah. Because it was, there's something about going side by side with somebody where you don't have to look them in the eye that they just start, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just, just bleh. and it, it was yeah. great. And it also is, it's a release. It's that body getting involved with the healing because the body's got to release too. And that's Definitely. what walking helps them to do. Without a doubt, without a doubt, you know, walking is, is just such a, uh, a healing tool. Yeah. yeah. I've even gone running with clients. Like, you know, a quick 15, 20 minute run. And then after the run, we do the session. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'll, I'll be on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be like a, a guppy out, out of water, a fish out of water. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, let's let's wrap up. This has been an amazing conversation. This is, I'm, yeah, I just started. You put a quarter in me today, and it was just like. And sorry for for stacking questions originally because I, I just couldn't stop myself. Like, that, that, the D to D, and I'm like, you know, you're stacking questions, right? I'm like, I didn't mean to. <laughs> No worries. I think we got through at least two of them. Oh, no, we got through least, all of them. I, uh, well, we, we got through enough that, that provides enough value. So <laughs> let me close and say thank you for listening to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. Uh, our conversation today was about the root before the fruit. 
you know, the rooter before the fruiter, you know, um, look, the healing journey is difficult. I could tell you that, you know, and so we have to have this intentional effort that will help us to develop deep roots so that there can be an abundance of fruits, fruits produced in healing. So there's no shortcut. Um, we must engage and do the work. So I hope this learning experience prompted you to seek to discover more ways to find your level of awesomeness. That's what I want. <laughs> and so just to give acknowledgement, um, the Now Show with Dr. Dave podcast is streamed on Spotify, iTunes, Audible, and, and Google Play. Hello, Kiana Brow Hendrickson. Thank you for dropping the music for this podcast. Um, this podcast is copyright 2022 by Dr. Dave Cornelius and NowShare.org. And I am eternally grateful for the partnership that I have with my friend, Tracy Tracy, who I've known for a very long time. Yeah. And she said something very interesting, you know, you, you know, Dave, you know, I have known you most of my adult life, but which is a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that is interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Wow. Wow. That's a long yeah. ass time. No, it's a good, it's a good ass time. It's a good time, but it's a lot of years, bro. That's, that's yeah. cool to, to maintain relationship with people that, you know, you've known 30 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. It's called love. That's, that's what it's what called. It that's exactly that's what, what it is. is. Yeah. You know, patience yeah. and kindness. It's called love. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. deep respect. Yes. Without, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> All know? of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just had a, I was reflecting there for a moment. I was thinking about the day of your wedding that um, I was out playing softball in a white suit on a softball field with your <laughs> husband. So, <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> peace out. Peace out. We're done. <laughs> Let's talk about talk. it. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.